I invite you to stand together as we unite in reading our passage of Scripture this morning. We're looking together at Romans chapter 6. In your bulletin, you have verses 6 to 11. I'm going to read a couple more verses uh, beyond that. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to look together at, um, at that passage. Let's read together. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore. Because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we died with Christ, we have faith that we also will live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. He died to sin once and for all with his death, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you also should consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. So then, don't let sin rule in your body so that you do what it wants. Don't offer parts of your body to sin to be used as weapons to do wrong. Instead, present yourselves to God as people who have been brought back to life from the dead and offer all the parts of your body to God to be used as weapons to do right. Sin will have no power over you because you aren't under law but under grace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. For the last several weeks, we have been engaged in a series of messages on the underlying title of prevail. uh, Paul in Romans chapter 8 reminds us that there are lots of things that try to separate us from God, and yet Paul tells us that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And we've been looking at some of those things that seek to disrupt, to disrail our walk with God. We're going to look at another one of those this morning, but before we do that, I just want to Go back and ask you again to pull up a visual image in your, in your mind because this has kind of been underlying uh, all of our uh, messages together. Imagine, if you will, you are a little boy, a little girl. You're 8, 9, maybe 10 years of age. You're walking in the park, spending the day with your daddy. Now, I hope that's a positive image for most of us. I've come to realize that that maybe isn't a positive image for everybody. So you, you pick the person who's going to be a positive for you, a mother, an uncle, an aunt, whatever. Anyway, so you imagine yourself, you're in the park, you're walking, you've got your hand in your daddy's hand, your mom's, whatever. With that person, it is a beautiful day. You're feeling secure, you're feeling happy. You are at a place that's safe and secure, and you're having a wonderful day. Now, imagine that as you're walking along, some thugs jump out of some bushes like this right here, jump out of some bushes, and they come over and they grab you and they start pulling you away, trying to get you out from your daddy's grip. That's going to be pretty frightening as a little child. And they're going to do everything they can to succeed in pulling you away. What you just imagined fictionally 
is what in reality is happening to us spiritually on just about a daily basis. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're walking hand in hand with God. And when your life is connected with God, when you are immersed in that relationship, life is good, there's power, there's strength, there's joy. But from the minute you start walking with God, there are forces, there are influences, there are circumstances that do their best to try to, lure, to pull you away and to separate you from the life of peace and joy that you experience hand in hand with your heavenly Father, God. And we've been looking at what those are. This morning we're looking at a fourth of those that does its dead level best to separate us. And that is temptation. Temptation is relentless. Temptation's goal is to creep into your life, maybe even invade into your heart, and do its best to pull you away from God. What does what temptation do? It lures you into sin. What is sin? Sin is separation from God. And the more temptation succeeds at separating you from God, the more you give in to sin, temptation's lure, the further and further you're going to be separated from God. Now, let's go back to that image for just a moment uh, about the walk in the park. There's been some disgusting news the last couple of weeks, maybe you've heard this, of predators in certain towns dressing up as clowns. You heard about this? Predators dressing up as funny-looking clowns. And the reason they're doing this is that they believe that as a clown, they're going to be far more able to lure little children away from their parents or their friends. They're going to be far more effective at doing that as a clown who's passing out candy. Let me tell you. Temptation is the clown that dresses up and looks pretty and looks enticing and tries its dead-level best to deceive you and to lure you away from God. Now, before we talk about how we can prevail over temptation, I want to just take a minute and identify four main areas so uh, we can have some certainty about uh, where to look for temptation and how to recognize it. Four big areas of temptation. The first is sexual. Sexual temptation. It bombards us. The temptation to engage in sexual activity or behaviors outside of what is God-ordained. Second area has to do with the temptation to quit. To give up. Rather than sticking to a... a Rather than seeking to, to get beyond the challenge that life faces you, uh, you get tired, you get defeated, you're tempted to what? Give up, to quit. A lot of us have never gotten to where God wants us to be in our life because we have given in to that temptation. The third area of temptation has to do with ambition. Not that ambition is wrong, mind you, but it can lead us, tempt us to do things that are wrong. 
in our pursuit of ambition, we're tempted, for example, to um, compromise our convictions or to sacrifice our integrity or to step over people in our climb up the ladder. And then the fourth and final big area, you're probably going to guess what it is, is temptation related to money. Here again, not that money is bad, but money has a strong hold on us, and love of money can tempt us. It tempts us to place money over anything else, even God. It tempts us to make it our end-all and be-all, to pursue and build our lives around it. Wesley used to be very concerned about the early Methodists because uh, in that day, the converts to the faith were the common people who were not highly educated, they were not very successful, uh, when they became, when they converted to Christ, their lives took a turnaround. They started being more successful. They started earning some money. And Wesley was concerned because he saw that when some of the early Methodists started making some money, they were tempted to put it above God and think they didn't need God anymore. That temptation still exists. So, those are the big four. And if you are breathing this morning, uh, if your heart is beating, I promise you, uh, you deal at some level with these temptations, some or all of them. That's the reality. But here's the deal. As Christians, we are supposed to rise above temptation. We're, We're supposed to conquer it, to resist it. A lot of times we do but a lot of times we don't. And even us as, as Christians, even though we love God, even though we've settled a long time ago that our lives and our hearts are devoted to Jesus Christ and we're not going to live like the rest of the world, even though our spiritual life and our commitments are firm and fixed, even we sometimes give in to temptation. Why is that? Why is it that while joyfully and peacefully and meaningfully walking through life hand-in-hand with our Heavenly Father, do we get tricked by, lured by, the clown of temptation and take that hand instead? Well, I want want to give you an answer uh, that that might surprise you. You see, we might assume that we give in a temptation because our faith isn't strong enough. We don't love God enough. We're not committed enough to Jesus. I'm not so sure that's the answer. The fact that we give it a temptation, I don't think it's because our faith is weak. I don't think it's because we don't love God enough. I don't think it's because we don't love Christ enough. I think it's because it has to do with an inadequate understanding of ourselves. Of ourselves. Now, this came to me in Paul's, reflecting on Paul's letter here. And I want you to think about this. He's suggesting here in this passage that a key to understanding why we give in to temptation is found in a single word, and that word is consider. Now, he's fixing to establish here, I think, a very powerful spiritual insight that determines whether or not you're going to give in to temptation or whether or not you're going to prevail over temptation. Look at what he says. Consider yourselves, and he's talking to believers now, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God 
in Jesus Christ. He's saying, in other words, when temptation comes along, consider yourself dead to that activity. Consider yourself dead to that desire. Have an attitude that says, look, I'm dead to that. That has no power over me. That has no influence over me. I am alive in Jesus Christ, but I am dead to sin. Now, the pivotal word here is the word consider. And this is the spiritual application that he's, that he's wanting to make here. And it's, it's extremely important. How we consider ourselves has a lot to do with the kind of life that we're going to experience. Think about this, for example. If you consider yourself ugly and worthless, you're going to go through life feeling ugly and worthless. If you consider yourself beautiful and valuable, there's a high probability that you're going to go through life experiencing opportunities for you to be beautiful and for you to feel valuable. If you consider yourself a failure, you're far more likely to feel and act and experience failure. If you consider yourself competent and successful, you're probably going to experience more feelings of being competent and successful over the course of your life. So you see, to a large extent, how we consider ourselves determines the reality that we're going to experience. The reason so often some of us give in to temptation is because we consider ourselves weak or fragile. We say, I don't have what it takes to say no to that sexual advance. I have no spiritual backbone. I will never be an effective follower of God. And we have this low consideration of ourselves. Well, that kind of an attitude is going to result in more often than not us giving in to temptation. But Paul is saying, listen, take a more positive approach. Tell yourself, Now, through Christ, I I am a new person. I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am dead to all that other stuff that used to attract me. I'm dead to that. Now, I'm alive in Christ. Those other things, they have no power over me whatsoever. I'm dead to that. You see, the key to resisting temptation is to consider ourselves dead to sin And therefore, the lure of temptation is lost. Now, so how do we consider ourselves dead to sin? 
I, I want to suggest this morning a really, really simple formula to do this. As a matter of fact, it's so simple I'm almost embarrassed to give it to you. Uh, but I've discovered that sometimes the, the most effective uh, things in life are the simplest. So here we go. When Paul tells us that we're to consider ourselves dead to sin, uh, how, how do we get there? How do we do that? First of all, when temptation comes, it is important for us to establish our identity, who we are. So in the face of temptation, say within yourself, I am. And just say it over and over and over. Let it be your personal mantra. I am. I am a godly woman. I am a godly man. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a precious son or daughter of God. I am salt. I am light. That's what Jesus described me as. When temptation creeps in, remember your identity. And that's going to help prepare you to prevail over it as we move through here. I bet you at some point in your life, your mama, your daddy, somebody said to you what my mama said to me. Especially when, it, when I reach the age where I go out and do things on my own. Son, you remember who you are. You're, you're, anybody ever tell you that? Remember who you are. In other words, when you're out there making decisions, you're going to parties or whatever, you're hanging out with your friends, remember you're a part of this family. There's an identity that goes along with that. You keep that in mind as you make decisions about what you need to do. Neil Anderson is a Christian writer, and uh, he, he makes this observation about our identity as Christians. He said, Many Christians refer to themselves as sinners saved by grace. But are you really a sinner? Is that your biblical identity? Not at all. God does not call you a sinner. God calls you a saint, a holy one. If you think yourself, or consider yourself, if you think of yourself as a sinner, guess what you'll do? You'll live like a sinner. You'll sin. Why not identify yourself for who you are? A saint who occasionally sins. I like that. Isn't that great? You are not a sinner saved by grace as much as you are, according to God, you are a saint who occasionally sins. And then he goes on to say, remember, what you do doesn't determine who you are. Who you are determines what you do. Who you are determines what you do. What's our biblical identity? All throughout the Bible, God identifies us as something far more wonderful and beautiful than a sinner. In the Gospel of John, we are the branches connected to Christ the vine. In Romans, we are joint heirs with Christ. In Corinthians, we are the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. 
In Ephesians, we are the saints of God. In Galatians, we are the sons and daughters of God. In Philippians, we are the citizens of heaven. In Colossians, we are those who are hidden with Christ in God. In Thessalonians, we are the chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. In Timothy, we are given spiritual power, love, and self-discipline. In Titus, we are those set apart to accomplish God's work. In Hebrews, we are those who have been purified by the offering of Jesus Christ, our high priest. In Peter, we are the chosen race, the holy nation, a royal priesthood. In John's epistle, we are children of Christ who will resemble Christ when he returns. In Jude, we are those called the beloved of God. In Revelation, we are those whose names are written on the Lamb's book of life. That's who you are. Consider who you are. Fix firmly your identity according to what God's Word says. I am. I am. When you're clear about your identity, resisting temptation is going to be a whole lot more possible and you're more likely to prevail. Here's the second thing. It takes more than just recognizing your identity. So after you say, I can, next time... Next, as the temptation begins to take into your heart, you say, I am, I am, I am. Then you say, I can, I can, I can. I am has to do with identity. I can has to do with your empowerment. Okay? I can. I can resist this temptation. Temptation succeeds a lot of times because we approach it with an attitude of I can't. I can't pass this test, so why bother studying? I can't say no to my friends who want me to go to that party where I know drug activity is going to be going on, so we give in to temptation. I can't say no to that sexual opportunity that has presented itself, and so what do we do? We give in to that temptation. Let me tell you the the ten most powerful words you will ever have you'll ever own in your life that can make all the difference in the world and how your life goes. Ten little words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when you think you can't, you can. When you realize that you are dead to that and you are alive In Jesus Christ. I could tell you example after example of people who in their life were about ready to give up. They were filled with discouragement and despair. They were made fun of. They were told they couldn't. And they embraced an attitude of I can't. But once they came to know that they could because the power of Jesus Christ living in them, they would approach every challenge in life with that simple mantra. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are ten words that put together have enormous, almost uh, supernatural power to help you prevail in whatever you're facing. I like the story of the counselor, camp counselor who was uh, talking to a young camper, and the camper was trying to uh, help prepare the young girl for temptations that she might face over the course of her life. And so the counselor said, Sally... Uh, What's going to happen to you at some point in life uh, if the devil 
knocks on your door and tries to lead you astray? She said, well, I, I guess I would just ask Jesus to answer the door for me. That's a great answer. Great answer. I can do all things through Christ. This temptation that you're facing, look at it to say, I am, and you fill in the blank, a follower of Jesus Christ. I am dead to that. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And then the third part of the formula is where the rubber meets the road, and it's this, I will. Now, this is where the battle of temptation is lost or won. You see, the first two, I am and I can, have prepared you to stand up to the temptation. Temptation, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am dead to that. I can turn and walk away. I can resist your temptation. So you stood up to it. Now comes the moment where you've got to take some action. What's called for is active obedience, in which you say, I will. I will say no to that sexual advance. I will walk away from that party when the drugs come out. I will resist the temptation to quit or to give up on my marriage. I will resist the temptation to be dishonest at work. I will do what God is calling me to do. You see, the reason a lot of times we fail at temptation is because we try to do that last one without working through the first two. Temptation comes and we just simply say, I will resist that. And we try to do it on our own strength. And more often than not, we fall. We need to take the time to work through the first two. Remember our identity. Consider who we are. Affirm that we can do all things through Christ. I am, I can, I will. Some of us have experienced enormous pain in our life. We've brought havoc into our families. We've brought havoc into the lives of people we love because we've said in the face of temptation, I am, I can, but that's as far as it goes. We, we stopped there. And we didn't say, I will. And so we gave in. As long as you're living, temptation is going to be relentless. It's going to attack you. Matter of fact, there's there's some theological points of perspective that say that the closer you get to God, the more Satan's going to use temptation to draw you away from God. So don't think because you're living a good, holy, God-honoring life that you're immune from it. It's just the opposite. I want to encourage you. 
Consider yourself dead to sin. It doesn't faze you anymore. You've moved beyond its lure, its power, its influence. Consider yourself alive in Jesus Christ, in Christ in you. And therefore, you can do all things. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am, I can, and I will. Let's pray together. Well, God, some of us this morning need to prevail because some temptation uh, has just about broken us. It has lured us away from faithfulness to you, and we're about to crumble underneath its weight. God, for that person, I I just pray a move of your Holy Spirit in their heart and life right now, this moment, that you would convict them, Father. Uh, If they're not strong enough themselves to resist this temptation, send people into their lives, family or friends, who can step up to the plate and get in their face if need be and remind them who, who they are and what they can do in Christ and that they are dead to all that other. Oh, God, give us strength day by day in the small temptations or in the huge, oppressive temptations to understand who we are. As Paul says, consider ourselves dead to all of that and realize that we are alive in Christ. And therefore, when temptation comes, what Paul said in another chapter of his book will ring true. What can separate us from God? Nothing. For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.